This is a Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be here. One of the, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get Jeff this morning saying, oh, hello, would you like an orientation around the building? He did last time, yeah, so uh, that was good. But uh, actually, the privilege of doing um, three meetings and preaching is seeing the whole of the church in one morning and getting a glimpse of that. And I tell you what, it's amazing. Uh, Amazing what God's doing. Um, So, privileged to be with you all this morning. I've got Catherine with me as well today, which is great. So, yeah. And a few few extras on the band who, uh, they got Nick from the West this morning. Josh, Hannah, you know, how how does that happen? Um, (laughs) uh, That's great. We're one church in uh, two services, uh, three services, two sites, and it's fantastic. And... That really, um, we're looking at a series, Sustainable Growth. Uh, If you've missed out on the last two weeks, um, we're teaching this because since going multi-site, we have experienced numerical growth significantly. And uh, prior to this, we've also been on the receiving end of prophetic words quite, quite consistently, actually, about future growth that we are currently in the midst of experiencing, and I believe we're going to experience even more in the months and the years ahead. And we want to grow in a sustainable way without losing any of the special characteristics that God has given us as a church, which came out in our teaching when we taught on the DNA series, but really we're just all aware. Anybody who's around at Woodside for long enough will just be aware God's with us and there's something that God has done amongst us uh, that we absolutely love. Now, the last two weeks, series so far, Martin sharing from Acts 6, uh, talking about a need arising in the early church in Jerusalem which the apostles uh, were very concerned about, but realized that their commitment was to the teaching of the word and to prayer, and further leaders were appointed in order to meet that particular need. And then last week, Adrian, sharing from uh, the book of Numbers, Numbers 11, in uh, the Old Testament, how uh, Moses needed to appoint more leaders, and God anointed those leaders with the Holy Spirit, and how we are utterly reliant on the Holy Spirit to enable us and empower us to do what God has called us to do. Don't ever think of leadership or anything else you do apart from doing it with God's help. And he promises to help you by his Holy Spirit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But with his anointing, with his power, uh, then we are able to accomplish great things for his glory. Today, we're moving on and looking at the same series, same theme, but the title that I've been given is Deeper Care. And it's the same theme, when God gives growth, as he is doing with us, more leaders are needed in order that everyone can be cared for well. 
And we're going to look again at the Old Testament a little bit earlier uh, in sequence to when Adrian was sharing last week. It's from Exodus 18. And we're going to eavesdrop on a conversation between a very wise father-in-law named Jethro and his son-in-law, Moses, at a time when Jethro's wisdom, the wisdom of God through Jethro, was desperately needed. So it's Exodus 18, and we're going to read selected verses from that first of all to get the background, uh, and then I'm going to teach out of this and help us uh, with this next uh, uh, stage in the series. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness, and he brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. That's near Mount Sinai in the wilderness. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Isn't that good? If you're going through any troubles right now, God will rescue you in them and through them and from them. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? I love that question. You ever ask that of somebody? You lot and say, what are you, what are you accomplishing here? There's God's humour there. I, I, I mean, what a wise man. He was willing to be quite upfront. Do you know it's important to be upfront in a godly, loving way? You know, and asking questions sometimes. Why are we doing this? You know, what are you accomplishing here? I love this. Uh, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. And when a dispute arises, they come to me. And I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and I give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law declared or exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. Now bear in mind, Jethro is just bringing uh, Moses' wife and two sons with him. Uh, so you've got to look after my daughter-in-law, uh, my, my daughter uh, and my grandsons. You know, you, you're never going to see them if you're going to carry on doing all of this. The job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,150 and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load 
making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Bit of wisdom next. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. Do you know when someone gives you advice, use your ears rather than quickly, particularly if it sounds like a bit of a criticism, particularly bounce back in defense. You never know God might be speaking to you. So we know from the book of Numbers, chapter 1, that Moses had a huge crowd with him in the wilderness that he was leading. In fact, uh, in the second year of being in the wilderness, they did a a count of all the people, and uh, the men over 20 years of age amounted to 603,550. 550. That's a lot of people, over 600,000. Now, if you add then the females and all of those 19 and under, right down to the little bitty babies, uh, easily estimate uh, that there would have been about 1.5 million, even up to 2 million people under Moses' leadership in the wilderness. I mean, that is more than the population of Birmingham right now. And that's a huge number of people. And... If leaders of 10, and I'm going to concentrate on leaders of 10 rather than 50s, 100s, or 1000s today, um, were leaders of 10 families, not even individuals, but just 10 families, then they needed, Moses needed to appoint over 60,000 leaders at that point when he said, okay, I'm following your advice. That's a lot of leaders uh, to choose. Now, I reckon the process probably would have been uh, leaders of thousands first and then getting them to choose leaders of hundreds and getting them to choose leaders of 50 and getting them to lead, uh, choose the leaders of uh, tens. Moses could not have done all of that on his own. It would have been uh, everybody's job in the process of these leaders being uh, appointed. And our parallel to leaders of 10 or leaders of 10 families, if you like, that kind of size in Woodside is our community group leaders. And for anybody who's come to the church more recently, uh, you may have been given by the welcome team one of these, the community group uh, booklet. And you think, well, I'm on the tail end right now because we go, do go through annual cycles. Um, But if you haven't ever seen one of these, I could really encourage you to still have a look. Because even if you don't join one, become a part of one until the autumn, it'll give you a feel of something about Woodside which is essential to who we are. See, it's not just when we gather on a Sunday, but meeting in small groups is really important. I'm just going to, I mean, this is what it says here, just to help. Um, Woodside Church, we run our groups uh, small groups on an annual cycle. September is a sign-up month and group with groups starting in October and running until August. All our community groups have the same ethos and vision and values, which are those of the church as a whole. These groups create community, care for one another, and have a discipleship emphasis and a desire to grow together in Christ. Within this, we have a diversity of groups in age, gender, style, ethnicity, language, day of the week, time, particular focus, etc. But if you're interested in being part of a group, this booklet is designed for you. We really believe in the value of being part of a Woodside Church community group and want to encourage as many as possible to do so. 
And that is so much a part of who we are that we're going to look today at six reasons why then and now more leaders were needed. So the first thing is this, because the Lord had done good to them. I love this, because the first thing that happened when Jethro turned up was he was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. I love it in church when we have problems or challenges which are all to do with growth. Oh, they're the best ones to have. And really, we want those to keep continuing, don't you? Uh, because challenges of growth are a good thing. And when Jethro heard all the things uh, that God had done, rescued from Egypt, God had been with them, helped them through all their troubles, uh, he said, God's done good things for you. Well, I'll tell you what, as a church, God has done good things for us. I mean, I just love this church. I, I, mean, I love the maturity of many. There are so many maturing Christ. When Hannah uh, shared with you recently, and she was saying about mothers and, and daughters, spiritually speaking, and so on, and learning and everything else. I mean, there's so much, so many people with so much to give. The diversity there is as a church, the many gifted ch- uh, people that there are, the passion for God that there is. I mean, if you were here at the Good Friday service, I mean, the passion for God, the, the deep gratitude expressed because of all that Jesus has done through his death on on the cross, forgiving our sin, and the, and the looking forward to Easter and how he's risen again from the dead. I mean, there's passion here uh, for what Jesus has done, passion for the gospel, transformed lives as a result. Love it. The willingness to follow where God leads. I mean, you know, the way this building has changed, the way we have now gone from one service to two services, two to three, two sites, reaching more people on a mission together, the different things God has given us, Martin into West Africa, the reaching the poor. I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing. But it's a church that's willing to take a lead from God and to follow where he leads us. The fresh excitement of being on mission together is great. Strong sense of family unity, love for one another. Oh, there's huge love here. The atmosphere. I love the way people can come as they are and find faith in Christ in their own time without being pressurized. I love the way the church is growing numerically and individuals are growing just as important in maturity. I love the way God has been good to us. And because God has been good to us, we need more leaders. Just like then. The second thing is because no one person can care for everyone. Jethro made that clear to Moses. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. They're gonna wear, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. The job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. You imagine queuing up all day just to see Moses. And when you get there, you think, golly, what we've come to see him for is pretty trivial anyway. Pretty much sorting it out as we're in the queue. But, you know, talk about queues right now. You know, there's a lot of adverts, and I hugely admire all of those in the church and not in the church who serve in the NHS and work there. But, you know, again, on the news uh, headlines about lack of GPs and, you know, just how long people have to wait to see a, see a doctor and, and so forth. But you imagine what it was like in Moses' time on this one. 
oh, you know, you'd give up, wouldn't you? Um, and Moses had become a very good leader. He'd led them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. He was now struggling, however, with a superhuman workload. He could not take them any further on their journey without shared leadership with others. Moses was not indispensable. The God who is big enough to save his people is also big enough to care for all of his people. And this is true for us, as true for us today as it was in Moses' time. And in the end, deep care, if it's to exist in the church, is God's job. And he chooses to do it through many, not through a few. The third thing, reason why more leaders uh, were needed is because the chief priority of senior leaders is prayer and ministry of God's word, which benefits everyone. Now listen to me, says Jethro, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. Now this is what Moses' priority was, as far as Jethro advised. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. That's prayer. And then secondly, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. That's ministry of what God says, ministry of God's word. When Martin preached two weeks ago from Acts 6, it was the same thing. We mustn't neglect, said the apostles, the teaching of the word and prayer. That's what we've got to give ourselves to. If the advance of the kingdom is to progress and the church is to grow strong in a sustainable way. And if we're going to see an increased move of God that many of you, us, have been praying for, some of us for years and decades, in our town, in our nation and across the world, then we... Yes, as a church, but also the church as general, in general, must move towards making room for some senior leaders in the church to have prayer and ministry of the word as their main focus of activity. And this can only happen when many of us offer ourselves to serve in leadership capacities within the church. The fourth reason why more leaders were needed was because... There are many with a lot to give. So I love the way Jethro, who just turned up, wasn't familiar with who was in the crowd, made an assumption, which was a good assumption. Most assumptions are not that good, frankly, but this was a good one. He said to Moses, select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. He assumed they would be there in the mix. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,150 and 10. Many capable, honest people who fear God. In other words, they've got a good relationship with God. So far as Jethro was concerned, those people will be there because they're the people of God. And, of course, they were. And in this church, we have many capable honest people who fear God are you are heroes and have a so far you know have got a good relationship with God many capable 
in this church of leading 10 people. Many. Men and women, single people as well as married. You know, don't rule yourself out if you think, well, I haven't got a husband, I haven't got a wife, so I can't lead. People who've, who are on their own with others. And also, if married, it doesn't have to be with your spouse, who may be exceedingly busy and in no way have they got time to, but you have. But finding somebody else, a friend who can also lead with you. Not just in twos, but possibly in threes or even fours. But there are many here who could lead ten people. We're absolutely sure of that. I had an email a couple of months ago, two or three months ago, which really cheered my heart beyond a day. And I'm not going to name any names, but it came from someone in the church who has a mature Christian, has been in this church for uh, well over 20 years, and just wrote this about their group leaders. They changed groups over the annual cycle, gone to a new group, and joined the group, uh, led by a husband and wife in this case, And the husband had been a Christian about 18 months and been baptized just about a year before, less than a year before when he started uh, actually leading the group. Hi, Tim. This is how the email went. I would like, I'm reading this with permission of all involved, although I'm not naming names, by the way. I would like to commend, I'll just say, you know, the husband and wife, my leaders, uh, to you who are our group leaders. They are so humble as leaders and so open to moving on with God. And although, this is uh, one of the couple, hasn't been a Christian very long, he is very open about that, and doesn't try to pretend otherwise, because he is the leader. He leads well, and gives opportunity for others in the group to have their say. They both have a pastoral heart, Three people in the group have lost people close to them. They've been through bereavement since Christmas. And they have been consistent in supporting them in prayer. God bless. And then the person who wrote it. Isn't that amazing? Please don't disqualify yourself from the possibility of leading a small group of people in the church if God is calling you to do so. The fifth thing that we see in this passage is because the reason for more leaders is because deeper care was needed. I mean, I've already said about the potential frustration of queuing up just to see Moses all day. Or even bothering because of the queue. And of the leaders of ten, Jethro said they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes and have them, have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the, t- the task easier for you. Now, I must admit, I started to think about, well, what were their common disputes that they had uh, in the wilderness? I mean... You know, let's face it, they were living in tents. They never knew whether they were having to pack up tent and move on again. Uh, Toby would have been in great business in those days, by the way. Uh, (laughs) You'd be doing pretty well. Uh, And uh, you've just got this amazing situation. I mean, I don't know what it would have been, but, um, you know, the tent pitched up to me. They've just got really noisy children. 
I just can't sleep at night. Or, you know, we lent them some cooking utensils and they've never given them back. We're always offering them help, but they're ungrateful and never help us. They seem so less spiritual than we do. We're always looking at the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. We're always turning up at the tabernacle early when we're called and the trumpet call goes. They're always late. They never turn up. They're always judging us. We share our food, but they never share theirs. When I was ill, they simply avoided me rather than helped. They're so different to us in personality and we find it hard to be neighbours. They said bad things about us and now say they're sorry, but I just can't bring myself to forgive them. They're always showing off about the riches they brought with them from Egypt and I can't help but being jealous of them. I I don't know what the disputes were, but you start imagining some of the things that would have gone before Moses, these sort of common disputes. And these leaders of ten were appointed for everyday care to deal with the common issues. There was a support network in place right up to the senior leader. Moses, leaders of 50s, leaders of 100, leaders of 1,000, not even were the leaders of 10 just on their own. And that's why we have an eldership, we have senior leadership team, we have coaching team, we have specialist pastoral leaders, because no leader of 10 people in this church either is on their own. But let me tell you, in the New Testament, it actually is very different. Because we don't get a lot of those kinds of disputes, praise God, hallelujah, uh, amongst us, although sometimes you do. But much more commonly, leaders of 10, well, what in New Testament terms are we asked to do? Effective community group leaders facilitate the one anothering we need and learn about in the New Testament. That's really the main job. It's not being a mini Moses for 10 people. Oh, no, no, I've got to deal with all this stuff. And that's often how people see leading a small group. Oh, now I've got to deal with all the problems, saving the elders, getting on with it, you know, and so on. Actually, what a privilege to facilitate these things where the scripture says, love one another. You see, we're all responsible for each other. And group leaders can facilitate that going on. Serve one another. Pray for each other. The New Testament teaches, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Accept one another. Instruct one another, carry each other's burdens, be kind and compassionate to one another, encourage one another. And as a result, deeper care across the whole church takes place. And it's the means by which we can continue to grow and maintain the family feel of Woodside Church that we love so much. And the last thing, finally, the sixth thing that we see in this passage is... We need more leaders so that everyone will be at peace. See, Jethro said this, if you follow this advice and and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Now, the Hebrew word for peace here is the word many of us are familiar with, probably more than any other Hebrew word, shalom. Which means, still used today, completeness, wholeness, soundness, welfare, a peace in context used in, in terms of relationship, close terms with others, on friendly terms, uh, peace, living peaceably with others, safely, securely, as trusted friends and at peace. It's so much to do with how we relate together. And that is the result 
of shared leadership and having many, not a few, taking responsibility for others. Now, we had a, in the community group that Catherine and I were in, we had a bring and share recently, and I took along a very quick, with this preach in mind, impromptu questionnaire, just very quickly, while they were eating their curry, Filipino food, and all sorts of other things that turned up on the table. I said, can you just, can you just write down very quickly um, and answer these two questions? And uh, these are the results that came in. Um, uh, write down, I said, first question, just two questions, uh, three things, I gave them pens as well, you know, about our community group that you appreciate. Now, this would be typical of, uh, of any community group, it just happened to be the one that we're in. We love it, we're in it, and these are the things, just three things. I said, just write a word, don't have to write too much more. And we had this, friendly, caring, loving, supportive, great depth of Christian experience. Sharing food, we were doing that right at that moment. Problems and concerns. Praying for each other. Learning and growing together in Christ. I learn something new every time we meet, someone else said. Always discussing God's word. We're all friends together. We all contribute. Really inclusive. Share good experiences that are helpful. I like that we share and care. We're thirsty for God. Encouraging. That was great, wasn't it? Quite spontaneous. The second question was this. Write one sentence describing how you feel. This was emotion. How you feel about our community group. Well, these are some of the answers that came out. It's good to know I can rely on our group for prayer support and physical support. Another one said, great place for Christian growth in a loving environment. Another one, good familiar environment to learn the word of God. Another one, family-like feeling, very welcoming. Another one, the group is like another family. I'm very happy in the group, like that. I feel really comfortable within the group and I'm happy to share as I feel the group is non-judgmental and always willing to learn. And then we had happy and comfortable. I feel protected being part of a network of Christians, a powerful network of Christians, wow. I like group and one person just wrote fantastic. Typical of when two, three people say, we'll lead ten people. And that's the fruit. Isn't that amazing? So our hopes and plans for the next two years is that many more community groups will emerge. In fact, if we're going to keep growing numerically, we're going to need them. And therefore, that we can continue to deepen our care for one another and maintain sustainable growth. And... We have an invitation that Martin made two weeks ago and we're making again and we'll make again when Martin concludes the series next uh, week. We're going to hold a community group leadership evening. It's to find out more about community group leadership and it's the target group is for these. It's for current leaders, many of whom may well continue into another year, although there's no pressure to do so. For experienced leaders who haven't led for a while, but who we're asking, would you be willing to lead and use all of your experience for a year on the basis of the fact that we will give you, or you could find for yourselves, depends how it works out, uh, some people who would love to lead in the future but need a year just to get to know how to do it. 
You see, we want apprentices, we want new people, we want people who are unable to. So the third um, uh, category of people we're inviting is for potential leaders, people with no experience who want to lead, uh, learn to lead alongside existing and experienced leaders. And if you'd kindly email me on the screen there, tim.green at woodsidechurch.com, we would be really pleased to hear from you. No obligation if you turn up, but on the day we can share a whole load more. Now, we often hear the phrase these days about public conversations going on. Conversation in the nation, well, we don't need too many hints as to what those conversations are all about right now. We're trusting that in this series and teaching it, that we will see this is thoroughly grounded in what the Bible teaches about the people of God and how we should organize ourselves for the very reasons that I've highlighted. But also, we want to generate and start a conversation amongst us as a church. We've got six weeks now for this conversation to continue. A conversation about, what about you? What about us? What about giving it a go? And I'm praying, we're praying, that there'll be an awful lot of conversations like that in relation to people offering themselves to the possibility of leading a community group. Next year, or maybe the year after, with training this year, we'd love to hear from you. Let's stand and let's pray. Father God, we just ask you to provide us all we need. As you're giving us growth, we want to grow in a sustainable way that's going to be a blessing to all. And we pray that as we are considering again in this series the keys that the scripture gives us to sustainable growth, that we would actually be having good conversations. And we pray that you'd speak to many even this morning, about the possibility of leading around 10 people and facilitating the life of Christ and the life of the church amongst them. Lord, unless you build the house, the laborers labor in vain. We're trusting you for this, but we're trusting you to speak. And for us, like Moses, when he listened to Jethro, to hear you speak in the conversation and through the preaching and teaching that's taking place over these few weeks. Speak, Lord, we pray, and build your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amazing. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.